6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Really wanted to have a conversation uh, about this with one of my favorite guests. We know that Russia's war in Ukraine has shone a spotlight on the defense and international policies of countries right around the world, including right here in Canada. And in an op-ed in the Globe and Mail, our next guest asks if, after decades of timidity, can Canada's allies still take us seriously? And I know for a lot of you texting in, especially over the past month, you've been asking about about this you've been worried about how our, our our status on the world scene when it comes to what's going on well dr christian luprecht is a political science professor at the royal military college of canada and queen's university he's an expert on security and defense dr luprecht welcome back to the show Jalen, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. And Christian, in the article you say, quote, the deficiencies in Canadian defence policy and diplomacy can be summed up as words speak louder than action. This, and, and this despite Canada stepping up with its presence in Latvia and Ukraine in recent years. You say more is needed. Why is more needed? Well, because our allies are asking for more and because our interests demand more. Uh, As a country, the security environment has changed, and so the context in which we defend our country and defend our interests, defend the continent, and defend our allies has changed. And when that required, both in terms of requests from Washington as well as requests from our European allies for us to do more, it turns out that our cupboard and our stores were bare, that we're literally pulling the Brownings out of the holsters of our reserve units because we have nothing else to give. And given how convoluted our procurement system is, Mm. it also means it's going to be years before we can actually backfill the material that we're giving to the Ukrainians. So I want to talk about the more part coming up here in a second. But first off, we know that Canada has not been meeting uh, that that, that NATO goal of member spending of, what, 2% of GDP on defense. Why has NATO, why has that organization allowed that to happen with Canada? Why have we been kind of been given like a pat on the back and say it's okay keep on going so the two percent has always been an aspirational goal and i have long sort of semi-facetiously sort of joked that the only way countries like germany and canada are going to get to two percent is if the russians invade well guess what Uh. the russians invaded and the germans announced that not only are they going to get to two percent which means effectively increasing their defense spending by 50 percent overnight they're also creating a special fund of a hundred billion dollars now not to be misinterpreted germany's in a similar situation as canada because all that hundred billion dollars is going to do is get the german armed forces to where they actually would need to be if people had paid attention to the changing security environment over the last 15 years. So it's not like the German armed forces are expanding here. We're simply making sure that the tanks that they have, that they, uh, the airplanes that they have, and that the ships that they can have can actually fly, can actually drive, and can actually float. So it's simply about getting us back to where we need to be. But of course, from Canada, no such announcement. And the other key thing to remember here is it's not just about the equipment. The Germans sent a very clear signal that the future of Europe and the future of European security is going to be decided with the Germans at the table with a strong German voice. Canada has not sent any such message. Canada has said we're happy to play on the fourth line and we're happy to be a bench warmer because nobody's going to call us out anyways because our equipment simply doesn't live up to the expectations in terms of capacities and commitment. 
instruments that our allies now have and that our security environment demands. And Christian, I, I've sat through um, a couple of briefings uh, on the uh, kind of detailing how the procurement uh, <laughs> how procurement works in the military. And boy, oh boy, as, as we know, just look at, you know, the F-35, the, the replacement to the, you know, the F-18s, what's been going on there. It's been, it's been, this has been taking forever and ever and ever. How much of a concern do you have that nothing is going to change on this front, especially given this deal that uh, the Liberals and the NDP have just worked out? Well, I think you raise an interesting question. I testify on exactly this topic next week before parliamentary committee, the procurement issues. And while the government and the public likes to blame the armed forces or the bureaucrats or so forth, remember, the procurement rules are made by government and by parliament. It is them who've decided to have these extremely convoluted rules where we have trade-offs between achieving the effects that we're looking for versus the transparency that Canadians are looking for and that parliament demands and that the government wants. But really what we're ensuring against is some bidder who's aggrieved because they ended up losing the contract. And so we've erred far too much on the trade-offs on sort of the procedure side and the control side, which means we can't actually get our troops the effect that we're looking for. And when we kind of sort of muddle through, then that's okay. But in the current environment, it's not sufficient to muddle through because our interests are at stake and Canada is quickly becoming not just a discretionary ally, but an irrelevant ally. And when we're irrelevant, we don't have a voice and it means we can't assert our interests. So we can pretend that all we want to do is be Costa Rica. But of course, Costa Rica doesn't have any interest to assert in the world. And as we saw in the first half of the 20th century, Canada has a very clear stake in the territorial integrity, the political stability, the economic prosperity, and the social harmony of Europe. And we saw what happens when things go off the rails in the first half of the 21st, 20th century. That's why we invested strategically in the second half of the 20th century to build the multilateral institutions such as NATO to preserve peace and stability. And now when we're called upon to make sure we continue that stability, there's nothing that Canada is prepared to offer. And Dr. Christian Luprecht joining me this afternoon. Uh, earlier today, retired Major General David Fraser, who uh, was uh, the former what Canadian Brigadier General of NATO Ground Forces in southern Afghanistan in the early uh, 2000s, he said that Canada needs to step up, can't just talk and do it the so-called Canadian way, that we have to do more. Canada's Minister of Foreign Affairs, though, has said that Canada is, quote, not a military power. What do you say to that? Well, I would say that the Minister of Foreign Affairs lives in denial, and I wrote as much in my op-ed. Contrast that to the German Minister of Foreign Affairs, who the morning after the Russian invasion of Ukraine said, the world has changed, we live in a very different world, and we have to adjust to that world. Contrast the pronouncements of the German Foreign Minister before the United Nations General Assembly with very harsh and direct words to the continuing sort of muddling through sort of Canadian sort of smug approach about kind of, you know, it's all about value. Well, I think one thing that the minister needs to understand that it's ultimately about security first. If you don't have security, you're not going to enjoy prosperity and you're not going to be able to enjoy democracy and democratic values. Democratic values in and of themselves do not generate security. And anybody who has any doubt about that only needs to talk to any refugee who has come to this country because the first thing they will tell you, what is it that they value first and foremost about Canada, that we have a safe and secure society. So Christian, let's go back to where we started in that op-ed you said more is needed what does more look like at this point more looks like canada poning up 
on defence, in particular robust expeditionary capacities, um, everything from artillery to, to to tanks and the like, to be able to provide military deterrence. It, provi- it requires us reinvesting in North, in particular North American air defence warning, as well as ballistic missile defence, because any time the continent is threatened, it also means the alliance is threatened. Mm-hmm. That is to say that Canada's investment in North is an investment in a strong United States that can provide extended deterrence and other forms of deterrence to Europe. And it also means providing energy security mm. for our European partners. 300,000 barrels is simply not enough. It requires a commitment to exporting liquefied natural gas, building um, energy east and making sure that the coast, coastal gasling pipeline gets built as soon as possible so we actually can make do on the request from our European allies. Ten days ago when the Prime Minister was in Europe, he repeatedly dodged the question, what are you going to do for us, Prime Minister, in terms of providing for European energy security so we don't have to buy gas from Russia anymore? And it also requires Canada actually making good on the sanctions that it has announced. And that means having laws so we can actually enforce them and an enforcement capacity in our law enforcement. And as the Calm Commission on Money Laundering in British Columbia is showing, we have such lax laws and we have virtually no enforcement capacity. So it's very nice that the Prime Minister likes to talk every day about how many Russians are being sanctioned, but how many assets are actually being confiscated, how many assets have actually been frozen in this country. That's the real question to ask. My final question for you, how optimistic are you that any of this will be done? Well, I would hope that the Prime Minister realizes this is a very high-risk gamble because as the United States is unilateral, that is to say it doesn't need allies. It Uh has the capacity to do it alone. And as as the Europeans and the European Union in particular have become a much more cohesive, autonomous, independent defense actor in the last three weeks than they have in the previous three decades, it means that Canada is now discretionary. And so that means Canada needs to be proactive in showing that it wants to be part of this club that makes key decisions about the future of the world and about the future of Europe. And I see no such effort, and that means Canada will be vastly diminished in its ability to assert its interests internationally, and that means we're going to be much more like a country in the Asia-Pacific region where there aren't the robust multilateral institutions that we can leverage. All of these countries have to invest much more in international policy than Canada does, and they get much less in return. This is a critical moment for this government and the Prime Minister, and the wrong decisions will have deleterious repercussions for decades to come. Dr. Luprecht, we'll leave it there this afternoon. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights. You've always, you always give us so much to think about. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. It's a real pleasure. Thank you, Jalen. Yeah, take care. Dr. Christian Luprecht, he's a political science professor at the Royal Military College of Canada and at Queen's University, an expert on security and defense. His latest book, by the way, is called titled Intelligence as a Democratic Statecraft, published by Oxford University Press. Lots to think about there. You can read his op-ed in the Globe and Mail.